I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Rob Stewart. He's a filmmaker, he is a conservationist, he's a photographer, and you know, he, he's, Rob's a teacher. Rob is a, a guy who wants to change the way we think about the world, frankly. I mean, I don't think that's too lofty. Uh, Rob has big goals, and you're going you're gonna to hear that, you're going to see it, and if you've seen any of his films, you know. Sharkwater, huge film, uh, turned into a massive campaign. Talk about, talk about the splash and ripple effect. Rob and I talk a little bit about that. We talk about his film Revolution. We talk about his new film. Uh, it's exciting uh, what's what's coming down the pipeline for him and for us as well. And, and he talks a little bit about um, what why the sense of responsibility that he felt and, and, and as, a, as, a, as a young boy really to to tell a new story uh, and how he fell in love with with sharks and, and and how it's changing the way and how he actually we talk a little bit about how he fell in love with people too. You'll you'll kind of enjoy that story. So so uh, listen in uh, Rob Stewart um, Sharkwater.com. You can find out more about them. And don't forget to check out my site, davidpecklive.com, for more podcasts. Uh, this is Rob Stewart. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest today, another special guest today. He's a, uh, a good guy. He's a filmmaker and uh, somebody that we're going to want to, uh, I think, get into things with in, in, uh, in an interesting and refreshing kind of a way. Rob Stewart is with us here today. Rob, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so so tell me, uh, what is it about sharks? Ooh, as a kid, sharks were like dragons and dinosaurs to me, uh, but they were real. And at the time, we knew so little about them, and we still know so little about them, and everyone was afraid of them. So it created this kind of confluence of perfect, um, perfect things for a kid to be so fascinated with them. Um, and so I started studying them in school and realized they're not like every other animal out there. They're far more important. They're far more mm. significant to life on Earth. 
and as soon as I found out they were being destroyed, that kind of you know set me on a path to working with sharks for most of my life. So, so let's talk a little bit about the the the, the new film, but let's maybe the preface it with Sharkwater. So you were twenty two. Uh, was that when you started making the film at twenty two, or was that when it actually hit the theaters? Yeah, Sharkwater took four years, so it was twenty six by the time the movie uh, hit theaters. So I, I I love the audacity, man. I love your 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 audacity, your tenacity, your passion and commitment to this. And just I mean, you literally, I mean, wow. There's the metaphor, right? You dove in in every possible way. I mean, wh- where where <laughs> where do you get that? Where do you get the funds, the energy, the passion for for such a huge project? You don't. It doesn't really come come to fruition like that at all. Um, it, it, it it's never a, an, an amount of audacity or courage in the beginning. It's just like something that has to be done, and of course you do it. Right. Um, and only by getting into it and looking back on it retrospectively do you realize how massive a project <laughs> it was. So um, did you did you did you, know, you did you Rob did you feel a sense of um hmm, of of responsibility or or um I don't know yeah. moral outrage or something when it came to this issue. Responsibility for sure. Um, I I realized shark, sharks were getting decimated, and that I had the power to change that. Mm. And as soon as that happened, then I, you know, I had to do something about it. And not, not only did I have to do something, I had to do everything that I could. And it just so happened that doing everything that I could also uplifted my life and taught mm. me a great deal and and put me on a you know a pathway to changing the world and was and massively rewarding and. This became a perfect storm. Well, it really is incredible. I mean, Sharkwater's over, uh, help me out here, won over 40 awards at, at film festivals around the world, seen by over is 124 million people. I mean, you created a movement. This wasn't just a film. This wasn't just a passion. This is really uh, gone. The splash and ripple effect here has been huge. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's been a beautiful journey. Um, and when I started, I, I wasn't that fond of humanity you know i'd, I'd kind of I've, i'd seen that we'd been destroying mm. and and consuming our world and, and by the time i was done with Sharkwater and, and having it come out and change people's perspectives and push them into action then i fell in love with people because as soon as people understood that there was a problem they changed their behavior and they fought for sharks and they took a stand and, and it really taught me you know the power of information to change the world because we're all you know inherently one and if I feel a certain way about an issue, you're more likely to feel that way as my friend or part of my community. Mm-hmm. So it was a really beautiful lesson for sure. And one I can hope we can keep using to change the world in more profound ways. Would you, would you call yourself an environmentalist? Is that, is that, or, or, or is it, does it go deeper than that? How do you mean? Well, you're clearly a guy who, who wants me to think differently about, you know the the world as a whole. I suppose uh, you know your comment. Your comment about we're all one, um, but you're spending an awful lot of time underwater, <laughs> with you know with animals, uh, and, and you know not necess- with and with a very specific animal, right? I mean, as like you said, most people don't know the the history, the the, the connectivity. I suppose to sharks and, and and the world. And I mean, I think in your in the most recent uh, video that you made for your your new film coming out. Um, you talk about sharks being very sophisticated, and and uh, how they're different than other animals, and so on. So I don't know. Is that is that because you believe in I don't know in this higher you know nature 
as a whole, the connectivity there, or is it this really for you about the shark? Or is it about humanity, you know? Uh, and, and It's about humanity. Um, it's about humanity. It's about us and our life and impact on this planet. Um, and, and sharks are mm. a great entrance into that conversation. Um, mm. But it's really not about sharks in the grand scheme of things. Sharks have been here for 450 plus million years. They've survived five mass extinctions. There's sharks in the deepest, darkest trenches of the oceans that we'll never be able to find. So there will always be sharks on this planet, even if we succeed in wiping out most life on the planet. The, the mm. question is more uh, us. Are we going to be here? Are we going to destroy the world we depend on for survival? Or are we going to, you know, turn and face this crisis in time? And, and that's where I think um, you're, you're going. Mm-hmm. Conversation is, yeah, like we're, we're on one living planet right now. And it's, it's believed this planet is a life form. And us on this planet right now are behaving in a parasitic way where we're consuming, um, we're consuming our host. We're like a cancer in a way. Where I don't feel like that at all. I feel I feel we're we're worth more and we're capable of more, and that our impact on this planet should reflect that. And so I think what I'm trying to do with these movies is to, you know, to imagine my career in filmmaking over a, you know a couple of decades and to see where I want to take people over that whole journey. And in the beginning, we got to realize our position on the planet, and then towards the end of that journey, we've got to realize that you know we have a we have a massive part to play in making this place better and that perhaps our current standards right now or our current goals of sustainability aren't, aren't enough in a world where we've already wrought so much habit, um, havoc. So I think where we're going as a species is, is to eventually be beneficial where we make mm-hmm. this world better. We provide more life to it. We, we you know, capture more biomass. We sequester carbon. We, bolster life and that this world can be infinitely more wild and habitable and enjoyable and beautiful for our presence instead of degraded. So you say, you know, when you were making the film, you were clearly being, you know, driven by this idea that look, look at the damage we're doing. And then after the film comes out and the campaign and the movements and, 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 and the, the, the desire for change and almost the hope, I guess, you sort of, you know, you, you, you stirred up, you, you started to fall in your words, you started to fall in love with humanity. Is, is, is that kind of what gives you hope? Because ultimately it sounds like you got to be a pretty hopeful person to be doing what you're doing you know, to be putting yourself, you know, in, 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 I don't know, putting yourself at risk, I guess, in a sense. And I don't mean with the sharks at all. I don't mean that at all. I just, you know, you're putting yourself out there in a way you're challenging the status quo and saying, like, things can be better. And, and, and I guess my follow-up question to that would be is, you know, are, are you still hopeful, you know, came from hope and, and are you still sort of going in that same direction? It sure sounds like it to me. Yeah, I'm very hopeful. I, I definitely wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't hopeful. Um, and, you know, the hope is us, for sure. Um, the planet's going to be fine. There'll be life here in the future. It's, mm. it's not so much... I'm not. It's not that I care about one particular species or one particular ecosystem so much that I want to protect that. It's more, more about us. It's more mm. about, you know, I, I think we're capable of more. Um, and I think we could allevi- alleviate a massive... Uh, karmic burden if we just started behaving in a, in a better way and living up to our capabilities as a species so as much as you know we're the problem right now we're the only solution to mm, this nice right in 
So is it, you know, the, is, are you, uh, I mean, to me, you seem, to me, you seem like, I don't know what your background is academically, but you seem like a, a scientist who, 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 who literally dove in with mask on and just discovered this, this incredible world of, of, you know, the unknown. For me, the ocean scares the heck out of me, <laughs> you know, just all those unknowns. And yet there's this unbelievable and clearly incredible mystery to it all as well. Yeah, and, and I think the ocean is that way for many people. Uh, it represents the sum of many of our fears. The fear of the mm. dark, the fear of the unknown, the fear of being eaten alive, and we're so out of our element in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to anything that lives there, we're so clumsy. So I, I totally get it. Um, and for me as a kid, I loved the ocean and just had such a fascination with fish and everything that mm. lived there that I wanted to spend time there. And I was also afraid of sharks until I met my first shark when I was nine. That's awesome. And the shark, the shark was afraid of me. And so hmm. from that point on, all of the fears that I had built up as a kid or that I had been given from society about what was going to go on there, they were mostly gone. I, I could go further and explore deeper and not have to worry about any of that stuff. And, and I found out this world is fascinating and beautiful and contained crazy creatures and, and behaviors that we could never see in, you know, 500 million years of evolution on land. It's an amazing world. Where does that, um, where does that uh, curiosity come from, do you think, for you? I don't know that it's easy to say where curiosity comes from, um, but it's, it's fairly deep and pretty innate. Um, but, you know, from everything to do with life and animals, I'm, I'm curious about yeah, I the just, way the world works. No, it's just really interesting, the timing of it. You know, I, it was, you know I, I, I've got a profound love of reading that I kind of blame my parents for, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. you, you know, you say you met your first shark at nine. I've, I've never met a shark, Rob. So do you, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I'm fascinated by this desire. People, some people who take those experiences, I guess, is what I'm getting at, and turn it into something else and something other. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, so but I was blessed to have amazing parents. And as a kid, they let me have a goldfish bowl and, and would let me capture creatures and keep them in containers and let me have pets and and so I think that really started it, mm. um, you know, fueling the fascination. I could put lizards in cages. I could, you know, put a slightly bigger goldfish in the goldfish bowl. And, and all of a sudden there was, you know, massive tiers of bigger and bigger predators I could, I could get and look at at the pet store. And, and so if it came from somewhere, it definitely would have been my parents nurturing the fascination I had with wildlife. So, so tell me a little bit about the new film uh, and where you're heading with this. So you've got a Kickstarter campaign that, that's coming to an end in a few days. Um, you've raised uh, quite a bit of, of money already. Uh, can, can you tell me a little bit more about, about your plans for it and, and what, you're, what you're hoping to do with it? Yeah, for sure. Right now, we're killing 50 million sharks a year, and we only know where 70 million of those are going mm. into Shark Fin Soup, which was our first movie. And the remaining 80 million sharks that are getting killed each year are turning up in our daily lives without us knowing it because um, our, um, us not paying attention and being afraid of sharks has allowed industries to, to relabel them. Right. And so they're called flake and rock salmon and whitefish, and they turn up in our pet food, in our fertilizer, our livestock feed, they're in our fast food sandwiches, and they're even in our cosmetics. Wow. 
So this is a massive scandal that's destroying the world we depend on for survival, and I think um, a perfect fodder for uh, a sequel to Sharkwater. Sure. Um, and you've started shooting it. Yeah, we've started shooting. We've shot maybe three or four countries, but we're really just in the beginning stages mm. of it right now. It'll be um, in production from probably September to February. Okay. September to, to September. And you now, I mean, you, you, it sounds to me as I read through the, the campaign and some of the language, and, and there's a great video there that I'm sure is going to be available for people to see going forward, but it sounds like you got you got some pretty big plans for this film, and, and, and it kind of made me smile a little bit when... You know, 124 million people have seen Sharkwater, but but you're gonna you, you want to take this you want to take this wider. It sounds to me. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we're <laughs> I tried to get a billion people to see Revolution, <laughs> our second film. <laughs> um, so you know, not not short on ambition. That's right. Um, but we'll we'll see. You know, I um, I think the the industries have changed. When Sharkwater came out, it came out in theaters first, and then went to DVD and stuff. And it's a different world right now. So. Um, exactly how people are going to see this movie, I'm not sure, but mm. I know that as we secure all the deals necessary, we're going with the groups that can give us the widest exposure. Did you have any sense for when you were doing this, you know, I don't know, those moments where, you know, I don't, you captured certain things, you, there was an energy and adrenaline, I, you know, it's not when you're making documentary film, it's not like a set, I suppose, but where you said, wow, this is going to be huge. Like, did you have any sense for where this was going to take you at the time? Or, or, or to or come sort of full circle back to what you said earlier, this was just something you had to do either way. Um, for Sharkwater, um, both. Uh, I, you know, I, I threw everything I had into it because I thought it could be massive. Right. Um, and I had no idea no idea how to make a movie i'd never shot a video camera wow you know and i think it was that youthful ambition and and ignorance to the size <laughs> of the task that sure probably helped that along um and as we you know went through that journey and and came up against pretty significant obstacles it it didn't occur to me at that point that what we were doing was was worthy of a movie i, I still thought we were just trying to get a movie and right. It was only after you know after we made Sharkwater basically did we have to you know figure out what the story was and then the story that happened to me as a you know young filmmaker trying to make the movie became the movie. Right. And then with with this one, um, I think having made two films already and this being my third, I can see a little better into, into right. the film's career, into the future, and know that some of the things you've captured already uh, and the story that we're going to tell, I have a feeling um, will have a big impact. Um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting to me that your executive producer is also an avid scuba diver. Was that, uh, was that entirely by design, or was that kind of a, a, an accidental uh, a relationship that developed along the way? Um, no, that was... That was very much by design. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, yeah. M making the movies is is kind of the easy part. Interesting. Um, funding the movies, finding distribution, doing the business deals for a creative person like me that that's kind of hard um, or harder. Right. So it was import important that I found people that were aligned with me and with the vision and understood and wanted to come on this crazy adventure. Um, and Patrice Thoreau is one of those guys. He's a you know 
studio executives from Canada love Scuba Diving. Really perfect partner to make this movie with. Yeah, it's amazing. No, it's it's pretty incredible. But any any real surprises for you along the way? I mean, it amazes me. You know, a guy. I mean, I, I, I social change is sort of my thing. You know, this idea of little things making a big difference. Your your desire, your first meeting of a, with a shark at nine has turned into this movement, and uh, you know, your third film. I mean, it's just it's it's an incredible story. And uh, what amazes me is how you know you. You look. I guess you look back, Rob, and you sort of go, "Wow, okay, some of this is starting to make sense now," <laughs> but it didn't kind of maybe at the time, and it's really quite quite marvelous. And uh, and I and I hope uh, you know the work that you're going to continue to do will continue to challenge others to to take their thinking and their their action to a you know to a whole new level. It's uh, really quite remarkable. Thanks, thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. It's been a beautiful journey, um, and I think the the most interesting part about it is is almost by working for good in a way by trying to benefit the planet and benefit other people and species the amount of energy that that aligns behind you is pretty phenomenal um and at any point you know like i think every career you're probably going to go into that's worth something is going to be hard right you know so if if, if you get to ch- if you are fortunate enough to and I really think everybody has this opportunity to, to choose a career that, that could uplift life and make this world better. Then you always have more energy to, to be better, to do, to do more, to work an extra hour, to give it everything you've got. Um, so, you know, in, in a way, it's been amazing, um, and, I'm, and I'm definitely so blessed to have found this path. What I love about what you've done, and we'll probably wrap it up here shortly. I, I know you're you're heading back uh, you're heading back to Toronto. I think in the, in the next few hours. I was uh, I was interviewing John Aitchison. He's a he's a um, National Geographic, BBC, uh, Frozen Planet photographer. Recently, a couple weeks ago, his his new book. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Shark and the Albatross, and he's had this career of basically sitting on rocks photographing you know, animals and uh, going out into the, the, the Arctic and waiting for 10 days to, to get a shot of a seal and, you know, these kinds of things. And wonderful guy, wonderful interview. But what, what it did for me was, is it just, it reminded me how much, um, and I think your, your shark water for me certainly did this for me in Revolution as well, but this idea that we just, I don't know, we just have to listen a little more and, and, and pay a little bit more attention, you know? Yeah, yeah. If we if we paid a little bit more attention, I, I think we'd make different decisions for sure. I mean, right now we're kind of running around like life doesn't matter and life is not valued in any of our economic equations, um, even though our economy derives upon the environment. Um, so if we, you know, paid a little bit more attention, we'd realize that life, the birds and the bees and the trees, were actually our life support system. And that we built this system that's destroying that life, and and oh my God, yeah, that should be the most important thing. Change that right away. Right. You know, more more important than economic growth, more important than anything else we're focusing on is, you know, are we are we going to be able to survive in a healthy and beautiful way on this planet? And right now, it looks like we're not going to. We're gonna like if we continue the trends, we're gonna devastate a lot of this world and, and our populations in the process. So, so we're gonna tackle this problem. We just if we tackle it now, we're going to be a lot, a lot nicer for everybody and everything. Rob, what do you think? You must have some insight on this. What do you think is the the wedge? What's what's getting in between people paying more attention or caring more? 
you know, about sharks, about the environment, about about the decisions that we make, about recycling, something as simple as recycling. Um, is it just the, 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 the stuff of everyday life, the busyness of being a parent and of maintaining a job? Or is it, does it, do you think it goes deeper than that? It's a big question. Uh-huh. I know, it's a bit of a doozy. I remember, I remember reading a book, um, uh, Paul Hawken, I don't know if you know the name, but he wrote a book called The, yeah. Ecolo- Ecolo- the Ecology of Commerce. And he talks mm-hmm. about, he talks about, you know, you knock on this uh, um, a single parent's door and a woman answers the f- door and she's got two kids in her arms and, and she's cooking dinner and you want to talk about the environment and how we're going to hell in a handbasket. And, you know, he tells the story, you know, and I don't know that it was a real story. I think it was more of a sort of a parable, if you will. And, you know, this woman slams the door in your face. Yeah, I don't got time for this. You know, like life gets in the way, Right. But this is this is a matter of life. I mean, I mean, this is this is what's so encouraging to me about what you've done and what you're doing is this, you know, the 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 the, 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 the domino effect here has has really only been positive, and and so uh, gives me hope certainly and others I hope as well to say you know we gotta we gotta roll our sleeves up and and time is of the essence here. But I'm I'm always fascinated why why you and not somebody else, you know. Um, mm. you know, why you dove in and somebody else didn't. And, and what is it that I can do to, to, I'm looking at a book called on my desk right here, right now, smart change. It's called by Art Markham, five tools to create new and sustainable habits in yourself and others, right? Like uh, how do you mm. get people to change? You know, it's, as you say, it's a pretty big question. Yeah. I think, uh, there will always be the, the woman, um, that slams the door in the mm-hmm. face of the environmentalist because she's got more to worry about with her kids. There's always going to be people that, you know, well, hopefully not always work towards the world. But That's right. But if you're hungry, yep. your basic needs aren't met, you know, the, the protection of the environment for a long-term use is, is not a concern for you. So it's, as people that are trying to think about or design changes in the world, we got to design around those situations. Um, and in, and in many ways, it is individual decisions. Um, it, it's the decisions you make, and every time you, you spend money, you vote with your dollars. Yes, we need that. But we also need, you know, we need massive changes within government and systems mm. um, that, that will, you know, like if governments did their job, they, they would manage the long-term health and happiness of the environment and its population. And they're just not doing that right now because they've been, you know, show short-sighted or they've been corrupted by financial interests. Um, so I think if we, you know, as, as activists and environmentalists can look at the total picture and not just say it's, it's not just people donating 50 bucks a month that's going to save this world, you know, it, it, we're going to have to tackle this in every way. Um, but when you, when you say, what is the wedge? Like the wedge is different for everybody. Yeah. You know, if, if yes. someone, if someone came to me when I was nine or 20 and said, you know, the, the, white-sided pigeon is in trouble i would go back to what i was doing probably (laughs) you know right but because i love sharks it made an impact for me so everyone has something different that they love and everyone's going to have a different pressure point upon which we can push to get them to take action well i'm so i'm so glad that you did have that sense of wondering curiosity to dig a little deeper when it came to sharks because i think yeah i i I love what you're doing uh sharkwater one of my favorite documentaries of all time it's uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant piece of work. Rob Stewart, he's a photographer, filmmaker, conservationist. He's a teacher, and uh, now to be uh, the director of a, a new movie coming out. Of the thir- Have you got a title for the film yet, Rob? No, no, not yet. 
It'll be called Sharkwater something. But, but it's going to be about sharks still. <laughs> yeah, men's relationship with sharks, for sure, as a metaphor for what we're doing in a much bigger scale. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, listen, thanks for your time today. Sharkwater.com um, is where you can find out more about uh, what Rob is up to. And uh, Rob, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate your 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 uh, your your commitment and your passion. It's uh, it's it's encouraging and affirming on a whole lot of levels. Beautiful. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate all the kind work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.